It is, feels like a continuation of this morning's remembrance, doesn't it? We're here to focus on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And of course, every Lord's Day morning when we gather, we do so by accepting the fact that Jesus Christ is our great high priest and that he is alive and that we are coming to him through him to the God of heaven. And so when we take today as the first day of the week, uh, it's Easter, whether we are accurate with the dates or not doesn't really matter. We're here to just rejoice in the knowledge that Jesus Christ is alive. I wondered really when I, where do you start? You think, well, it's quite easy. <laughs> start with when he was raised from the dead. We've been thinking over the last few weeks about his death. And I was thinking about the time on the cross when it, one of the last words or the last words of the Lord Jesus was, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he died. And it was at the end of the three hours of darkness, and then he died. Sometimes I think I just enjoy just meditating on thinking, what was that like? What was going on round about? What did it feel like? I remember a time when uh, we were out whale watching in America, and a, a, there was a particular time we were on a boat, and we were out in the sea, and there were whales around, and the captain had said uh, in the boat he was going to treat it like a, a clock. So he would say at uh, nine o'clock, everybody would rush over to the nine o'clock point and see the whales coming out of the water. And then he'd say three o'clock and everybody would rush over to the other side of the boat to look at the, the whales. Anyway, but I was just there and it was with time be before uh, when cameras uh, were such that you had to, put, had to load them. <laughs> and uh, I had run out of film. And so I stopped and I was taking the film out and putting a new one in. And just as I was standing there, he called out, oh, three o'clock, and they'd all rushed over to the other side of the boat, and I was on my own. And as I was fiddling with the camera, this whale came out of the, the sea. It was so majestic. And of course, I'm fiddling like my trying to get the film and wind it up, got it going, turned round, gone, <laughs> perfectly calm. It reminded me of Jonah, you know, that the time when Jonah, who was cast into the sea. And of course, we know from, from Matthew's scripture that the Lord said about Jonah that that was the sign, the only sign that people were going to get about the death and resurrection of Christ. But when they cast Jonah into the sea in that terrible storm and this fish, probably a whale, but we didn't see it's a whale, just a great fish, came out of the water and swallowed him. And I imagine almost immediately they would be dead calm and the whale would have taken Jonah down. And if the sailors had looked out on their boat, they'd have seen nothing, dead calm. Until three days later, when the, the whale came up out of the water, majestically, and vomited Jonah out into land, dry land. When I was thinking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, what, what happened in these three days? 
this day to come. Jesus died. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He gave his life into the hand of his father. And nobody had ever done that before. Nobody ever could do that before. The one who had the power of death was Satan. But over Satan, of course, is God. And the Lord Jesus bypassed Satan by giving his life into the hands of his father. And so, although he went into death, and though he went down into Hades, or to Sheol, um, he was in the hand of his father. And he committed his life to him. And Satan had no control. Satan could do nothing. And I think it's important, you know, for us just to imagine that, that over these three days and nights, when there's this stillness on the earth, there's this period of, what oh, now? What's going to happen? A period of expectation. And there's dead calm, effectively, like the whale gone under the water. And the, the sea is dead calm. What's happening is that Satan had to stand back. We read about it in Job, you know, in Job chapter 2, that when Job was uh, discussing with God about, sorry, when uh, Satan was discussing, discussing with God about Job, about Job um, God said to, to Satan, you know, you will not kill him. You will not take his life. And although death has been, is, the controller of death is Satan, God still has ultimate control. And we see that when the Lord handed his life over to his father. I think also when there were times in the past when God overruled that control, like when Elijah, for instance, was taken up to heaven, he did not see death. So Satan didn't get his hands on him. And when Moses died, Satan didn't get his hands on Moses either because God took him and buried him. And Satan disputed the body of Moses. He was angry. He wanted it. That was his, he thought that was his part. The reason I'm just mentioning this now is really just, to me, the, the resurrection is all a setting of the scene. Why three days? It's almost as if there's an expectation in the world. It's a time of consideration. And as we were thinking this morning, you know that um, Paul taught that really if there was no resurrection, then we are of all people should be pitied because we are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. But if he died and that was the end, then there is no hope. And so there's these three days, there's this expectation. The Lord Jesus Christ had said, and he'd, again, following on from our thoughts this morning, he'd said through David that um, his body would not see corruption. Uh, and he would not be abandoned in Sheol. And so David was prophesying that 
or the Lord was through David prophesying this is something that's going to happen in the future. When the Lord Jesus was here on earth, he was telling his disciples he was going to die. But on the third day he would rise again. They didn't understand that. They couldn't. It just didn't sink in. How could it? He's going to die again. He's going to die and lie and live again. How can that be? When there was those silence or that quietness or that three days of it waiting, it's almost as if God did that for the purpose of people considering what happens now. Just imagine nothing happens and that the Lord Jesus Christ is dead and there is nothing else. Then how horrible, how terrible that would be that we run, <coughs> that say, Satan has the power of death and that he has got the Lord Jesus Christ in his control. Can you imagine that? How horrible, how terrible. But after three days, we read that God raised him from the dead. You know, I always want to think, it's like the hallelujahs we've just been thinking. Why did the world not just erupt with the maj majestic wonder of something as amazing as Jesus Christ rising from the dead? But it seems it was done so quietly. He suddenly appears to one or two to three or four, to different people. And some, many people don't see it. What is the world's reaction? Let's just read the account, because I, I don't want to speak without, of course, referring to scripture as much as possible. Um, the account of the resurrection is in all four gospels. Uh, and I'm just going to pick uh, uh, John, uh, so John chapter 20, um, just to read that together again just to quickly give the flavour and, and now on the first day of the week that's Sunday as we know it <clears throat> that's today Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the scene that had taken they had been taken oh sorry while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. So we do not know where they have laid them. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. 
But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to her in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I always feel that that's almost a terrible understatement. <laughs> the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, and he said, Unless I see in his hands marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side I will never believe eight days later his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them although the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you then he said to Thomas put your finger here see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side do not disbelieve but believe Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And now these this last two verses in, in this chapter. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I think when we just read that, and if you read the other um, accounts, you can get the full picture of it, and just meditate on it, suddenly it's not just a quiet introduction it, it seems to grow and your heart lifts in rejoicing 
that Jesus Christ is alive and the amazement and the gradual realization that is given to the, the Marys and the woman and to the disciples, to Peter and John, to the two on the way to Emmaus, to Thomas and to, as we read later, to up to 500 people who had been given or chosen to see the risen Lord. And it seems gradually to expand, to get greater and more marvellous. And they recounted, began to remember what Jesus had said. And it began to fit into place. And they realised that this was him. This was Jesus, but he was in his risen state. He was able to appear and to disappear. He was alive. When we go on to appreciate as the thoughts that we had this morning, I've just been repeating some of them, and uh, these, the great expectations that came out and the understanding that again, even later, in Saul of Tarsus, he, he talks about he seeing the resurrection out of due season. That he was chosen to, after the event, that the Lord Jesus appeared to him on the road. And in such a way, it, it's recorded, of course, it was a bright light. And that the Lord spoke to Saul, and nobody else heard what he said. But when it's recounted again by Saul, he says, I saw the Lord. He saw the risen Lord and it affected his life as it would affect us, as it does affect us, as it affects anybody who believes. John went into the tomb, he saw it empty and it says he believed. And so there was a very clear um, condition of change in the minds of people when they saw the risen Lord as it is with us when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour saviour or what is saviour we are saved from sin because he is alive because if he was still dead we are all hopelessly lost we are misguided there is no hope but because he was raised from the dead, because he is alive, because he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. And that's why when he called out to the tomb, his voice was sufficient with its power to cause Lazarus to come back from the dead. It caused him to be raised albeit raised to die again. But the power of the resurrection was evidence in his voice. But he also said to Martha, I am also life. And my resurrection is to give life for those who believe. And that is the importance, the all importance. And that's what we just hang on to in hope. That is what we believe. That is what is the crux of our salvation. And what it's all about, as we just read there, the purpose, the heading I've got at the end of John chapter 20 is, this is the purpose of this book. 
And that is that Jesus Christ died and was raised again. And if you believe in his name, you'll have life eternal. <coughs> that is all wrapped up in a nice little package. As I say, it's something that I feel is, it grows. When we come to Revelation 1, when you get to John in the Isle of Patmos and he again sees the risen Lord and this time it's a more glorious body that he sees to such that he cannot stand he cannot even look at them he falls to the ground as one dead in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17 it says when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though one dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. You know, it, it almost is kind of getting to the end of the Bible, getting to the end of the the retelling of the resurrection and you're getting it now from the mouth of the risen Lord who is proclaiming his own position I am the first and the last I have the power I have the keys therefore you know what are we worried about get up John you're giving you a little bit more of the glory of my resurrection. I'm giving you a greater insight. And therefore he took John up into heaven and he saw another vision of the risen Lord looking like a lamb that had been slain. And again, we're getting all these pictures of the resurrection that just fit together and give us this hope and give us this assurance and give us this peace that in Christ Jesus we are victorious because Satan no longer has the power of death, not of us. He still has the power of death for those who reject Christ, unfortunately. But we who believe, therefore we do not fear. In Hebrews 2, it says that the purpose of the Lord's resurrection was to show the power that he had, that, that Satan had over death would be taken away from him. And that is something that is of all, gives us peace. Because before that, the scriptures tell us that we were a people who lived in fear. Fear of death. Because mankind, when they died, there was a fear. Satan has in control of death. Therefore, what happens to us there? But the Lord, of course, had this plan of redemption, this plan of salvation that was always there and it was spoken about by the prophets, was spoken about those of old who the Lord 
revealed these things to him. But when it came to Golgotha, when it came to the tomb, when it came to the resurrection, there the world was seeing the great evidence of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so fear, the fear of death is taken away. Paul was a witness that he could say it is not futile. When you read in 1 Corinthians 15 and 17 about the fact that it would be terrible if there was no resurrection, you come to verse 20 and it says, actually, don't, don't worry, but Jesus Christ is alive. He has been raised. There is no doubt. So don't worry. Don't spend too much time thinking, what if? <laughs> because he's alive. And we are raised with him. And I just want to close, actually, with the Ephesians 2 um, scripture that just, to me, sums it all up. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, where it just puts it all lovely together. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so just in a nutshell, that's been put together there where we have been made alive. We were dead. We were dead because we were, had the fear of death. We were under the power of Satan. We had no hope. And when we died, we went into a lost eternity. That was our condition. But because God loved us, he has made us alive in Christ Jesus. So that's the first thing. He saved us is the second thing. He saved us from what? From what I've just said, eternal damnation. He saved us from hell. He saved us from the power of Satan. The third thing is that he raised us up with him. So when the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we are raised with him because we are in Christ Jesus. And so we rejoice in him. And then the fourth thing is, he has seated us with him in glory. That's a promise. That is a definite. That is something that we can experience today in spirit. That is something that we can enjoy, but it will come to its full fruition when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for us. Where we read in Thessalonians, the dead in Christ shall rise. The other, the, the fruits of the resurrection, the dead in Christ shall rise. Then we that are alive shall be caught up to be with him forever. To be forever with the risen Lord. We're there now. We're there because of the promise 
We are alive because of Christ. We are saved because of Christ. We are seated with him already because that's where he is and we are in Christ. And so we are able to enjoy the fruits of that today, not in its fullness, because we're still in earthly sinful bodies, but we rejoice. And so the three days and nights of the silence, and then comes the point when the Lord God of heaven raised his son and he appeared, first of all to a woman, Mary Magdalene, and then to others and then it grows and people rejoice in their salvation and they see the risen Lord and like John in the Isle of Patmos they realize his glory and they are raised higher and we are raised in our spirits in understanding and appreciation of the magnitude of the resurrection of who he is and where he is and what's going to happen in the future and so we wait for the coming again of the Lord we live our lives looking up. He's coming again. He's coming for us because we are in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray?